The distance learning revolution is shattering traditional education. Find out how you can thrive in this environment on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by ClickFunnels. If you've seen one of my sales pages, you have seen ClickFunnels in action. Grow your business at servermaster.com front slash ClickFunnels today. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now. Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Like most of you, I grew up under a traditional education model that's more than 100 years old that's built around the idea of mass education one-size-fits-all. And I've seen this implemented around the world. Whether your classroom has 20 students or 40, teachers teach from a book that's the same book they've been teaching from for years. On day seven of each school year, they teach the same lesson as they did on day seven of the previous school year. This is a classical approach to education. And as we've seen, every time politicians talk about education, it doesn't work. When you have 40 people in a classroom, you're going to have a wide spectrum. And just because someone gets bad grades in class doesn't mean that they're dumb. I don't want you to get caught up in that mindset of thinking that I'm separating smart from dumb. That's not how I think about this. People learn in different ways. Now, certainly people are at different places on the intelligence spectrum, but I want to give you a really important example. When I was uh, running one of my tutoring agencies, one of the businesses I did in my 20s, I had a student. He was at a very expensive school with the children of celebrities. It was a school that didn't give grades, which I thought, huh? okay, I definitely grew up under a grade mindset. How do you know if you're doing good or not without grades? And here's what happened. It was the end of the school year. They said, oh, you can't go to our high school because you're not smart enough. Your grades aren't good enough. And he goes, you don't give me the kid. Very reasonable. He goes, but you guys didn't give me grades. How would I know that? And they're like, we didn't want to hurt your feelings. So that's my problem with not giving grades. That's not fair. You can't say, you can't not give someone grades and then not, not tell them how they're doing and then say they're not doing good enough, right? So he was no longer allowed to go to the high school with his friends. Mom called me because I had a website that was the first website she saw in our neighborhood for a tutoring agency. And I met with him. We began working together. And what I discovered was something astounding. It was one of the most revolutionary moments of my life. I've had some really big highlights. He was... The best way to say it is annoying. Not his personality, but because he can't think unless he's drumming. At the time, I was living with one DJ and three drummers in my house. So guess what? You're drumming all the time. If I was teaching him and he wasn't allowed to drum with his two pencils, wouldn't learn anything. He could not understand what I was doing. He would zone out. However, if he was allowed to drum, he would be listening. This is important. You can't allow this in a group class. In a large classroom, this could never be allowed, right? Because he's distracting the other kids and it sounds like he's not paying attention because he's doing a drum show. But actually, he needs rhythm to learn. Fair enough. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of science behind it. What I discovered was that because it wasn't annoying to me, like hearing one person drumming is way better than hearing three at the same time. It never bothered me. Didn't at all. The mom told me about it. She goes, oh, he's drumming all the time. And it really annoys the teachers. I said, I don't care. No problem. And it wasn't. It never, <laughs> there's plenty of things that do annoy me. That one wasn't one of them because that's just, I was hearing it all the time at home. It was no difference. It was just le way less loud. I was like, at least it's not a real drum kit. And we spent a lot of time together and I worked with him and we started working through all the program and he eventually took the entrance exam to his high school, got the highest score in his entire school. The principal was shocked. He got to go to the high school he wanted to, not because I'm a genius. I want to make this very clear, only because of the value of something other than mass education. He wasn't dumb. He was the smartest student in the entire school and a very highly paid teacher at a very elite school missed it because mass education is a flawed business model. Now, I understand providing mass education as part of a large culture so that people have access to education. The concept is sound. The idea of, hey, 
We have one person to give access to education to 40 students at a time so that 39 sets of parents can go out and work and generate for the economy and do other things rather than every family being in charge of their own education. I understand that. That's part of economic growth. I understand how that was applied during the Industrial Revolution. Totally understand that, okay? Lest you think that I'm a dum-dum. Remember, I was a teacher for more than 10 years. I was boots on the ground in this world. The problem, especially when the rules for how we educate are set at the top, when the federal government in any country sets rules for what teachers do in the classroom, everyone suffers. An example of this is that in American education, you have to teach to the slowest person in the classroom. You're not allowed to set people into different groups because that's called tracking. It's considered a form of discrimination. How we feel about that doesn't matter. What it means is that one person is getting the attention that they need. The other 39 aren't. And even if that tracking thing wasn't part of it, even if they weren't told to teach to the dumbest kid, if they were told, don't teach to the slowest, teach to the, the smartest, still half of the students wouldn't get their needs met because some students need a lot more attention. And I think they deserve it. It's not that they're dumb. They learn in a different way. So please don't get caught up in that because that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is that there's more value in the pivot to personalized education, which I believe is that we're experiencing a revolution right now where people are beginning to take control of your education. I'm a big believer in homeschooling. We home educate right now. My children right now are with their homeschool teacher. So we hire a private teacher. We're very lucky because we live very far away that we can afford it. Certainly something we couldn't afford if we were living in London or in America, but because we live in a different country, we have a lot more options. We're very, very fortunate. It's not how we started. We started by trying to have my wife do it, but unfortunately my wife was educated in a public education system that's significantly worse than America. She couldn't do it. My wife was educated under worst, one of the worst education systems in the world, so she was not able to teach our children. Otherwise, we would. That was the first thing we tried. What we're discovering right now in this revolution is that you can learn from home. It's kind of crazy. Now, I saw this for the first time in Goodwill Hunting in the 1990s. Oh, you can learn everything you would learn at Harvard if you just know what books they're studying and you go to the library and you read them all. It's pretty true. Not 100% true because there is a little bit of value in getting one-on-one -on -one attention. But when you think about it, in any class, you spend like one hour a week with your teacher or two hours or three hours a week with your teacher and they give a bunch of homework. Most of what you learn is from the reading. And then they're just reviewing the reading or building on the reading. And so I encourage you to notice how people are taking control of their education, both on a large scale and a small scale. What we're discovering is that more and more people are pivoting into micro-education. What that means is, instead of going through a massive general education, they go, I just want to learn one thing from someone with a small audience. This is why a lot of us follow people who have followings of a thousand or less. A lot of people think that the market in most industries will fragment into microcosms. I don't know for sure if this is true, but I know there's lots of studies and statistics that say direct education is exploding and it's going to explode over the next 10 years. I do believe that it's growing more and more. I teach direct education, right? That's what I do. I teach you a specific skill. I say, you want to learn how to do X? Okay, go through this course. I'll learn X. It's not quite what you get when you go to college, which leads me to the problem with professors. Now, I have worked with a lot of professors. I've taught at a lot of universities. The problem with most professors, and this is 99% of them, not all, is that they've never done what they're teaching. Now, sometimes you're very lucky. Sometimes if you go to law school, you might get a retired judge or someone who was a really great trial lawyer for a long time, and now they're teaching a little bit. But most of the time you don't. An example of this is that I used to teach on an MBA course. I don't have an MBA. I don't have an MBA. And yet they need a warm body to teach this class. I was also teaching on a master's in marketing class. Guess what I don't also have? They were like, just read the textbook to them. And I've mentioned this in previous episodes. What I did is I brought in people who were massively successful. Every single person I brought in was a millionaire, a self-made millionaire who was running a different type of business. And I watched my class's eyes glaze over. They didn't understand. It was too high level. They just wanted to learn from the book. What I realized is that we use mass education over and over again that people know how to learn, but they don't know how to do. 
Do you want to learn how to swim from someone who's read, who's written 10 books on swimming and lives in a desert or someone who grew up on an island and can't read? There's a massive difference people who know how to do and people who know how to talk about it. And that's often the case. Teaching is a skill. Not everyone has it. Not everyone's good at it. And I've experienced that many times. There are many people that are great at doing something. They don't know how to explain it to other people. And I've been working on improving this skill within myself for a long time because some things I'm going to teach and some things I don't. So we have all of these professors, many of whom have never entered the real world. I still think about all the people I met when I was at university who'd never left the campus. The tour guides and the people working in the office to help you get a job. This is this was one of my worst experiences. They tell you when you go to university, oh, we help everyone get a job. As soon as you graduate, we're going to hook you up. We're going to take care of you. We really take care of our alumni. The answer to that is no, they don't. Absolute stone cold lie. What all of these places do from universities to medical schools to law schools is they tell you how many of their former students have jobs. What they don't tell you is how many of them have jobs where they use their education. If you go to Harvard and you spend $400,000 getting your education and you are then working at a Starbucks for $4.25 an hour, they will put a check mark next to your name and say employed and they will take credit for you getting that job. Thanks guys. Thank you so much, right? Really paid off. And when I went to that department that's supposed to help you get jobs when you're an alumni, they said, oh, here's a link. And they gave me a link to an all my jobs website. That's all they did for me. And every single person in there was someone who graduated. I said, wait a minute, you guys all went to school here? They, yeah, this class, this class, this class, and this class. I was like, oh my gosh, none of you have ever even done a job interview. It took me a long time to learn that skill because you can't learn from someone who hasn't done it. It's not effective and it's unfortunate. Now, I have taught around the world, but I don't have a teaching license. Why? Well, because I taught in all these different countries. I didn't go back to school and get like spent three years to get a degree in teaching, which means even though I have a lot of success, even though I built multiple businesses, all these other things I can't teach in a high school, even though I have, by the way, through a contract, I was hired. I, I was teaching at high schools when I was still in college. I was 20 years old and I was making money teaching at schools because no one else would teach at them, even though I didn't have a teaching license. But the way our education system is focused is that you have to spend so much time in education that if you're an expert, you're not allowed to teach. You have to go through this other system of indoctrination. And that's why so many professors teach but cannot do. Very few of them are great at what they do. Now, some of them are amazing teachers and there's certainly some mixed in, but often we're learning from people that are third generation. What that means is they didn't do it. They learned from someone else who did it or they're reading a textbook. And a lot of these teachers, even they make their big living selling their own textbooks and they haven't done it. They haven't been out there in the field, unfortunately. They're teaching archaeology, but they're not out there digging up pyramids. And it's not a problem in them. It's a problem in the system. But the point is... We're now seeing, because there's a big shift, all of the universities around the world have been shut down. And they're telling everyone, you can learn from home. So now everyone is asking the question, wait a minute, is college worth it? And we're starting to discover that college and university is actually just a series of TED Talks, which you can watch on YouTube for free, and they're pretty cool. I've been watching TED Talks for like 15 years. I've always found them interesting. You can watch the lecture live from your professor, but guess what? It's the same lecture you recorded last year. The information is not new. So you can actually, and there's uh, open universities, and there's places where you can actually get access to previous lectures. I think there's going to be a massive shift as people realize, wait a minute, everything I'm learning, I can learn from home. I don't need to go to the university. I don't need to spend 10, 20, 30, 50, or $100,000 a year. I certainly don't think you should go to college for most degrees. I don't think you need to go to college to learn how to be a secretary or learn how to be a real estate agent. I don't think you need it. It's a different skill. I think if you want to be a lawyer or you want to be a doctor or a dentist, yeah, it makes sense because then there's a lot of practical. It's something where you're learning a skill in place. That I see is very valuable, but most of the stuff, certainly what I learned, my degrees, I never get to use them. Worthless. This shift of experience is going to cause more people to enter the market looking for personalized education. They're going to say, wait a minute, 
I would rather learn from a small batch course from someone who can give me more attention and someone who's out in the world doing it for so much less. College used to really matter. 100 years ago, 80 years ago, yeah, it was so important because you got connections there, because you had a standard set of education so they would know what you already knew. Those were the big values. Now, so many people go to college that it's not as valuable. Yeah, we rank college and go, oh, if you went to this college, a little better than that college. I know a lot of people that went to colleges that are considered to be quite terrible and they're smarter than me. They're better at their jobs than me and they make more money than me. So obviously that system's not correct, <laughs> okay? That rating system ain't working. You can spend $100,000 or even more over a four-year degree, depending on if you're going to a public college or private college or out of state, all that stuff. You can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on education. And at the end of it, all you have is a hope that you can get a job. They've trained you to be an employee. I know a lot of people with art history degrees. Here's what you can do with an art history degree. You could find a rich person to work for and you go around the world buying art for them. You can work as a curator in an art museum or you can teach art history. There are three jobs available. Guess what? The first two, real hard to get. Not a lot of openings. People don't quit those jobs. So you're either a secretary in a gallery where you're not doing any art history, right? You're not looking at historical art because it's all new art or you're teaching because there's not an opportunity there. And this is for a lot of degrees. So you go to college and this is how, what parents do, right? We send our kids there and we think this will increase how much money they make. This will give them a leg up, we'll have bigger opportunities. And then they graduate with a degree in social media or a degree in blogging or a degree in American history I'm like, or an American culture. It's like, wait, we already know American culture. You're American. What can you do with that? Well, you can teach it. So unfortunately, we have a lot of majors that are circular. The only thing you can do when you graduate with that major is teach it to other people. Sounds like a pyramid scheme to me. That's a bad kind of pyramid. I think a lot of people are going to open their eyes when they realize that college doesn't do what it used to do. You get a generalized education. They let you do degrees and things that don't lead to jobs. There's not a really good correlation between what you major in and the job you can get afterwards. I've met people with degrees in social media. I would never hire any of them because none of them know how social media works for a real business. They learn from someone who learned from someone who learned from someone. I believe that small classes are superior. Most schools brag about the student to teacher ratio. We have 10 students per teacher. We have eight students per teacher. We have 40 students per teacher. Oh, that's not as good of a school, right? Because individualized attention, absolutely. The problem with mass education was you have large classrooms, then majority of the class doesn't get the attention they need. So I actually believe the solution is more teachers. Crazy, right? You didn't think I was going to go there. I think that smaller classes, and I think this should be available across the economic spectrum. So in case you think that I'm totally into education, I believe in everything through high school, definitely. I think people should get better high school education. I think high school used to teach better classes before things got changed. I wish we learned how to sew, how to cook, how to weld, how to fix stuff with our hands in high school. I wish I learned all those skills. We don't anymore, right? We have taken extra foreign language that we never use and no one remembers how to do. No one who took high school Spanish still speaks Spanish. I very rarely get to use my three years of high school Latin. What this means is that the opportunity for people like us is growing. The opportunity for you to take what you do and turn it into a skill. And it doesn't matter what you do, by the way. I want this to be absolutely clear. And I cover this in book after book. And I'm just dialing into something here is that whatever you teach, whatever your specialized knowledge is, it can become something really magical because people want to learn from you. I can't tell you how many times I've had this conversation. I've been having this conversation with people for more than a decade. And a lot of you listening right now are going, no one wants to learn from me because of X. I had this conversation with one of my mastermind students recently. He was going through imposter syndrome and this happens every once in a while. We all get it. I've been with it. He's like, I'm just a rancher. Why would someone want to listen to me or why would someone trust my expertise on uh, this particular diet? He actually went through a diet and saved his life. I'm like, you're what you're you live through it. <laughs> you were on the ground fighting with your fists and you've lived through it. And now you do what I consider to be a really hard job. Every time he tells me what he did that day, it blows my mind that someone could do all that in one day. It's so hard. I have so much respect for people that do manual labor. It's such a hard profession. 
and we get this, we get this idea within ourselves that, oh, unless we have a fancy education, people don't want to hear from us, but it's not true. People don't care who you are as long as what you teach works. That's the great equalizer. And the ability to teach small classes, here's the difference. If you email me, you're going to hear back from me. I read every email that comes in and I try to reply to all of them. You get access to that because I have a business of a certain size. You can learn the same stuff that I teach you from someone who's much larger than me. Okay. But let's do a really clear example. Let's say you want to learn about personal development. You want to grow yourself. And if I had an NLP certification, which I don't, but many of my friends do, neurolinguistic programming, you can either go to one of my friends and be part of their NLP program, or you can go to Tony Robbins. Guess who's going to answer your phone calls? Guess who's going to answer your emails? When you get to a certain size, yes, there are large events and they're very motivational. And they're very awesome. And I'm very interested in a lot of what they teach in that system and all of that stuff. Totally fine. I'm not anti that system, but the amount of personal attention you get changes. After a while, you start to get access to certified coaches. And my experience of certified coaches is that they're regurgitators. When you're a baby bird, you're living in the nest, you can't get your own food. So your mom comes back to you and she chews it up, chew, 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 and spits it in your mouth. The certified coach is if you is someone who stands in between the mama bird and the baby bird. They don't know how to go out and hunt, but what they do is they go chew, 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 spit it into a couple of different baby birds' mouths. I can't tell you how many times I've met people or talked to people and they're trying to sell me coaching and they go, oh, well, you work with our certified coaches. I go, great. How many of your certified coaches have ever started their own business? Oh, no, well, well they work here. I said, okay, that's great. Why would I want to learn from someone as an employee? A great example of this is I teach networking. I teach high-level networking. I have books on it, courses on it. I'm a big believer in it. I believe in the power of relationship to grow your business massively. Huge, huge part of my business. Something I totally, absolutely believe in. But I don't charge anything close to what corporate networking events are. Corporate networking events, they charge two to $5,000 per attendee. And what you'll get is an employee who will teach your employees networking. How useful is that? Hard zero. When I was in high school and early college, a friend of my family's was on the alternate list for the Secret Service. He was a lawyer. He was huge. And he was really, really into stick fighting. Okay? He had a super high level certification in stick fighting. Now, I'd been taking martial arts for a few years and I've trained a couple of different styles. And he said, hey, we have a private class that's invite only that someone else teaches. You might find it amazing. Why don't you come with us? I go to the class. We're in a you know, martial arts dojo. I go, oh, this entry. I look around. Everyone in the class is crazy. <sighs> there was a cop whose shirt says, I prefer when you arrest. And I had a picture of the Tas Tasmanian devil holding handcuffs. I was like, okay, that's no joke. <laughs> These people were all the real deal. Almost everyone had at least one knife in their pocket. And the guy goes, okay, time to start class. Let's get outside. And we go into the alley. And he goes, all right, here's how to fight when your back is to a dumpster. And we started practicing it. And I'll tell you right now, this was not martial arts. This was fighting. And it's totally different. And he said, okay, here's how to fight when you're on a staircase. You can't learn that unless you're on a staircase, right? This is the difference between learning from someone who's been in a lot of fights, who's in the military, who doesn't know how to do pretty fighting. He only knows how to win. All those things you think about, rules, honor, don't cheat. None of that matters. Only one thing, win. When you learn from someone who's doing it, who's winning at it, they're teaching you in a different way. So if it's something you're actually doing, that you're teaching, you're head and shoulders above all those other people out there. Even if they have a massive following, even if they have a whole bunch of letters after their name. If I hadn't said it in a previous episode, how many of you guys know that I have a master of the arts with merit? How many of you care? If I told you I had a PhD, would this episode have been better? You wouldn't have cared. The proof is in the pudding. My wife is a really good cook. When we met, she didn't know how. My wife learned how to cook from YouTube videos. I did not know that was possible. I'll tell you that right now. Hands down. My wife grew up too poor to be able to afford ingredients. Okay? She grew up TV commercial, raising money, support this family, dollar a day poor. So she never had fancy ingredients. Her main toy when she was a child was a stick. So she grew up in a way that I will never understand. Her world is not one that I will ever be able to grasp. And 
we have an amazing relationship, but she learned something from watching videos that I didn't think was possible. She had no experience in it. She's really good at it. Do you think when she puts dinner in front of me, I care about her level of education? No, I care how it tastes. Same thing when I go to a restaurant. I have no idea. Of all the restaurants on my island where I live, I have no idea where the chefs were educated. And we have a mix. We do have chefs here that went to fancy chef restaurants. And we do have restaurants. We have chefs that are self-taught and everything in between. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the delivery. What you want to learn from is people that are doing it. You want to learn people that are experiencing it. The reason I teach the things I do is because I do them. You would be hard-pressed to find me teaching on something that I'm not also doing. The last episode was about extreme giving. And all I do is extreme give. This episode is about distance learning and how I believe that it's something magical that we can all take advantage of, that it's actually an opportunity for us to grow. Well, what do I do? I teach distance learning. I'm a big believer in the ability to self-educate. Now, I think there's a lot of value, of course, in one-on-one attention and that type of coaching. And there's a lot to be learned from school environments. And I do believe that there are colleges and degrees out there that are really useful. It's just unfortunate that a large part of it, because it's a commercial endeavor, is masked. I learned that you don't get what you paid for when you graduate. If my children came to me and said, Dad, give me $200,000 to go to college, I'd say, well, what if I just give you $10,000 a year for 20 years? What if I just give you $25,000 to start a business, you get eight shots? What do you think is going to happen? Now, obviously, I'm heavy in the entrepreneur track, right? That I'm an entrepreneur. I want my kids to be entrepreneurs. It may very well be that my kids don't want to be entrepreneurs. My son, really passionate. He wants to be what he calls a fixer, which is a mechanic. I'll tell you right now, I like it. I don't have a problem with that as a profession. Of course, I'm going to hope that I can convince him to do a lot of mechanic stuff online, but I've met people who were NASCAR mechanics, who were Formula One mechanics. To me, that's amazing. I have a friend who's an airplane mechanic. That's amazing to me because airplanes are magical, okay? Keeping an airplane from not falling is unbelievable to me. I don't understand how it happens. There's so many pieces in there. You only need one bolt to go loose and the thing crashes. It's such an important job, right? So if my son is passionate about that, he wants to be a mechanic, he wants to do repair, of course, I think it's wonderful. I hope that he'll translate that with a little bit of my entrepreneurship and want to start his own business or maybe invent his own tool or teach mechanic stuff, which I know about mechanics, right? Teach fixering, as he calls it, online and videos and stuff. So there's a lot of paths that I see in front of him. And that's something where the best way to learn is by doing. And a big part of that's apprenticeship in most countries. So I see a lot of value in those things, which circles back to my core idea of smaller classes are more valuable, individualized attention, the ability to communicate with your instructor. When I was in college, office hours were a real nightmare. They're always at a weird time, in a weird location. And if you go there and there's someone else already in there, you got to wait. If the offer hours end, well, then you got to try again next time. It was never a good experience. I never had a good office hours experience. What most professors are hoping for is that no one shows up, right? Because then they can just chill out, read a book, drink from that secret bottle of whiskey they have in their desk. What I want you to start doing is paying attention to the opportunity. When there's a shift in the market, a shift in the culture, and in this case, it's a shift in our approach to education, starting to see that I can do distance learning. Wait, everything I learned in classroom and college, I can learn from home. Well, then why am I paying $30,000, right? For the networking and for the experiences. Well, how many of you work with someone that you met in college or got your job through a networking connection in college? Some of you did, but it's a low percentage. It's a lot less than it was 50 years ago. So it's time for you to join me in the distance learning revolution. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday.